HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Emmy Cheese, specialty cheese from Switzerland made with heart and passion. For more information, visit emmyusa.com. This week on Meet and 3, we're exploring the culinary wonders of urban New Jersey with a tour through Newark. We speak to Frank Mentesana at Phillips Academy Public Charter School. This idea of family style and made-from-scratch lunches continues to be a bit of an anomaly in the city. We also hear from Gil Speyer from All Points West Distillery. Newark used to have an incredibly rich beverage alcohol history. And we'll tour Aero Farms, the world's largest indoor vertical farm. We're growing using 390 times more productivity than field farming and 95% less water. Tune in to this week's Meet and 3 on Heritage Radio Network to be amazed at the wonders of Newark. That's meet plus sign T-H-R-E-E. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello and welcome to Snacky Tunes. I am one half your host, Darren Bresnitz. This week we sit down with a bunch of boys who are making a lot of noise in food and music in Los Angeles. First up are Joel and Carl of the new podcast, Yelling About Pat Tay. And then second up is Criminal Hygiene a rock quartet who's been doing the band thing since 2011. We were at the legendary Danger Bird Record Studios where they give us a live performance and we chat about their new album, Run It Again. So sit back, relax, and enjoy Snacky Tunes on heritageradionetwork.org. We talk about food. We talk about music. With musical dudes. Finger on the pulse. Snacky
Hello, welcome to Snacky Tunes. I am one half your host, Darren Bresnitz. We have Joel Miller and Carl Hess of Yelling About Pate. Welcome to Snacky oh Tunes. Oh my God, great to be here. Hello. It feels good. It feels good. It's. Uh, I think this is our first time I've ever done a, like a back-to-back podcast, and your setup is way more impressive. Well, <laughs> uh, it's funny because this is the first time we've ever had mic stands, so this yeah, is like... No, this is like... This feels... Territory. It feels a lot more professional. I'll, yeah. I'll say that. Yeah. Um, so, hard-hitting questions first. Joel, let's talk about your emo band in <laughs> high school. Oh, yeah. You know I told him about the emo band. First of all, I never had an emo yes, band Yes, you did. School. He's in denial about it's it. It's so funny when Carl says that he knows more about me growing up than, than I know okay. about me growing up. All right. But Describe the band and you decide if it's emo. How about okay. that? Okay, um, so let's so, establish some facts. You had a band. Uh, I've been in several bands growing up, okay. but the one that I was in the, the most was like more like a punk rock, like... Oh, Misfits. Can we say like, Screamo? No, well, this, this is the thing. You're focusing on one of the mm. bands that I was in for Joe a very had a prolific music time. career. So, so, so I, I, was in this, I was in this band called The First Sword that was more like uh, if, like, the Misfits and, like, the Murder City Devils kind of had, like, a poppy or baby. That's not, that's not emo. No. That's, like, right. that's like Northwest so punk rock. Okay, right, right. and, and then we also had... I misspoke. And then we also had a, <laughs> and we also had a band, the same, like, a few of the same guys, where we just changed instruments. In the beginning, I played drums and... Oh, you I, were one of those bands where, like, yeah. every song, the guy just to show okay, switch. No, Sorry, well, guys, switch. No, then we started another band called Scream Ninja, where we just where you played like almost like power violence y kind of stuff, like 35 second songs. How wide was your spread for your legs? Uh, <laughs> like, what kind of power stance yeah, are we we're talking ta- about? We're talking, we're, we're not, we're not talking like uh, like Christian hardcore power stance, you yeah. know what I mean? But we're, we're talking more just uh, like swoopy haircuts and just like wearing all black and just ev- everyone sang. Everyone screamed. Maybe oh, that's yeah. where I got the idea. No, like, where, I'm thinking you, of the swoopy no, hair, so I'm thinking the, emo. So where you got the idea was that when we first started doing that, when we first went and started doing this other band, it was when when this like the big emo boom was hitting. Okay. Oh, the, and, the great emo no, boom. And, and we told everyone, because everyone thought the first sort was kind of crazy and weird, like we would, like, it was pretty aggressive for, like, the valley, where I grew up in the San Fernando Valley. Yeah. And, uh... We told everyone that we were starting an emo band called Everwood, and Everwood was this TV show on I, WB. And we and we, we you know we wore like matching like button up shirts with like ties, yeah. and we actually wrote like two songs. Okay. And you can actually find so you were some on of this the road online. to emo stardom, and that all no, no, we, we told all these people they're like, yeah, we're going more serious, and we're like getting softer, and like we want to do this and this and this, and. I'm a, sound, a song and a half in, we just were like, fuck this. Fuck and this. we started and we started just like going nuts and playing these like 35 second songs. There you go. And that's kind it's of, called, it's kind of where it went. Yeah. It's it's a lot of thank God Joel's music career didn't work out because otherwise we wouldn't have his delicious food. Yeah, today. so yeah, uh, that's that's true. <laughs> when did you pivot from uh, food uh, to I guess from music to food? Um well I I was still playing music uh, while I was while I was, when I got my first, like, couple, like, first few cooking jobs, I mean, the last time I played in a band was actually with one of our friends, Dave, and his band, Bambi Eyes, and that was, you know, we played at, like, Harvard and Stone. Bambi Eyes? Yeah. That's a good name. That's a good name. Yeah, we played at, like, Bootleg, and we played at Harvard and Stone, kind of a few other places. The late 90s and 2000s had such good band names. Yeah, well, this was, this was actually about six years ago, five years ago. Okay, so the mid-2000s. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Uh, all the band names were great. You know, I was also in a band called Hot Bodies for a little while. That's a that, good one. That was a, that was a good name. And, um, and so, uh, was food just starting off as like, I want to be a musician, this is paying the rent? No, I was going, 
uh, I was I, I've been playing music and shows since I was like 13 years old. And when I went to college, I was still playing music, and then I was just working. I had a child, and I was trying to do all all of the all of these things. And one of these things wasn't making me happy, which was school. So I stopped yeah. going to school, and I started cooking to I, focus more on Scream Ninja. To, for, like Scream Ninja, Ninja needs Ninja. more of my time. And Scream Ninja is a deep cut from King of the Hill. <laughs> yeah, it's a super deep. Is cut it? From, yeah, it's a super deep cut from King of the Hill. Great where uh, where. Uh, where Hank was just like, you know, like, you gotta have goals, like, you gotta, like, do, like, Bobby, you need to, like, you know, you know, become someone, he's like, what are you talking about, I just got to level 13 on Scream Ninja, like, you know, like, that was, and that was where, that was where, I love the deep cut reference. What's better than knowing all the bands from the 90s, 2000s, or knowing all the references of the band names? Well, you know what's crazy? References are better, they, yeah. it's, it's better, it's like, it's like Jeopardy, you know? That's the like, thing I never thought about, Fall Out Boy is a terrible band, but that's a Simpsons reference, that's a Simpsons. like, that's yeah. a great name, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I never think I mean, about that. Now that's an emo band. That's a that's, that's a, a fucking band. emo that's an, band. That's an awful band um, on many, many, many. Seems levels. like a wasted Simpsons reference almost. Yeah, I'm sure there's a band called Wasted Simpsons reference. That would yeah, be great. I would say they'll probably Fall Out Boy is the largest band with a Simpsons reference. It's gotta be right. Gotta I, be, I, yeah, I would, I, mean, I, would ass, I would assume it is. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure there's a band called Bone Storm from like Norway. Bone <laughs> Storm. Like yeah. And they're like, what? That's from The Simpsons? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> like, that's from we, the Simpsons. We came up with that independent of any <laughs> Simpsons reference. We're Bone Storm. Show me The Simpsons. I've never heard of it. Yeah, I never, never heard of it. So, what was the first first food job? Or what was the first food job where you decided that this was going to be something more than just? Uh, paying the bills. Uh, well, <laughs> I don't know, like four years ago. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> um, still hasn't made that decision. Still hasn't made that decision. Um, I, th- I mean, I was, I got my first job at this lacto vegetarian restaurant called Follow Your Heart. Mm-hmm. Um, they're huge now. They have they make veginés, which yeah. is like the, like a big fucking deal. And uh, that's off in Canoga Park, and I was working there for a couple of years, and I didn't really, really care. I was just doing it because I like I like the lifestyle. Were you vegetarian? Right? No, no, not at all. He was just passionate about mayo and mayo like spread. Yeah, yeah, not really. Passionate about condiments. No, I'm passionate about condiments. You know that song we make meals out of condiments. What's that? No, nah. I'll send it to you. Okay, okay. please, please. Yeah, be yeah. I was I was just working there, and then a few years into it, I was like, you know, I'd like to work with like meat or like learn something different. Yeah. So I got another job at Air Conditioned Supper Club and it was the first time I got that to was where, we where, met. I, where I met Carl. And this was, you know, nine years ago or no, even longer. I think. It was, it was in that uh, like mid 2000s era where everything was a supper club for no reason. It was like 2006. It was, it was basically like, like a ago. nightclub that had like bad sliders, even though I loved them. No, no, the sliders were terrible because they were they were tuna sliders. They were ahi tuna sliders oh. with sprouts. They were very good. No, they were terrible. In a terrible way. It was because they were on King's Hawaiian Roll. That's like why they were wasabi mayo or something. Uh. Like, it was like super super dumb. But like I got to like cook burgers and cook French fries and have yeah. and, like cook. We had a steak on the menu and like I got to do that, but. And was this a real restaurant or this one it was like, like a, someone's apartment? <laughs> no, it was like a no, nightclub. It was a nightclub, essentially. But it had food. So they were going for like, oh, you come to dance, but then you also want a steak for some reason. It yeah. was like, and like no, it was very poorly conceived. This, this is not Goodfellas. No. no. It was basically, well, it was kind of, oh no, yeah. not really. It was like, it was like, it was, it was going like, for that retro thing though. It was be like, oh, can, can we have a, a burger? And be like, yeah, but it's like, but we don't have any money, but I have a bag of cocaine. And right. Like, yeah, exactly. sure, we can do that. We it was a lot of like sliders and cocaine. Yeah. It's, yeah. What I, it's what I imagine like the Native Americans did to like barter. We <laughs> right. have a conch shell of cocaine. Yeah, exa- right, exactly. exactly. And, uh, and, and Carl, how did you find your way into food? Now we just established that we grew up in this like literally two blocks yes. away. Yes. Uh, so it must have been pizza pizza, the barbecue chicken slice. That it's so funny that I specifically remember the slice. So there was this place, Pizza Pizza. It was, of course, like spelled like peace. It had a P sign. Very big stoner vibe. For anyone who grew up in the Lower Marion area yeah. uh, or the main Suburban line. Suburban Philly, baby. In the late 90s, it was 
It was the go-to. Like, go-to. you're smoking weed. Like, there, you're there playing hacky sack. There is a piece of pizza on Venice. Oh, I'm sure there's hundreds. Yeah. The and, uh, and a cross-country lawsuit. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I bet it's a protracted legal battle. Yeah. Who gets the peace sign? Um, but this place was like, I remember the bacon cheeseburger slice. Oh, uh, yeah. Because I, I was like... Not a fan. It was just like, when you're that young, you haven't tried a lot of shit. And then, yeah. like, you're so easily impressed. You're like... There's bacon and hamburger meat on a pizza. They had like a, I've seen it all. And they had like a Greek salad slice. And it was the, the salad first, slice was great. And it was the first time I saw a salad on a pizza. I was like, the world of yeah, food is crazy. Exactly. Yeah. It's like ever expanding. And, and that's the thing. I was always like, you know, I always loved eating, but there wasn't, besides great Italian food, there wasn't a ton of, I wasn't eating a lot of great food at that time in my life. Yeah. I was eating a lot of just like crap. Yeah. So like pizza pizza was like, Oh, like this is like it, this is kind of pushing the boundaries of what I've known pizza to be. The culinary world knows no limits. Did you know about Bell Italia? Of course. Okay, so Bell Italia was my all-time go-to, and they had a cheesesteak slice. Yeah. Which I've talked about on our podcast many a time. <laughs> it's is so perfectly executed. Be, right? I so made from Lower Marion, and this we're gonna get uh, in the weeds and in the details real quick. There was a piece of pizza contingency and a Bell Italia contingency. I was pretty strong in the Bell account. Not to say that to the exclusion of Pizza Pizza. Yeah, but some people, because you'd walk over after high school and some people were like, I will not go step foot into places right. that they were not loyal right. to. There were some, yeah, there were, you're loyalists. Loyalists. But the thing about Bella was you could maybe go to a guy on the street and be like, here's a 20, we're going to go buy us a six pack. Yeah. <laughs> Get a little something for yourself, a little uh, steel reserve for you, sir, yeah, and yeah, a six yeah. pack for us high schoolers. And depending on who you ask, they'd be like, okay. Yeah, depending. Ardmore was, uh, it was, uh, depending on which corner you're on, dicey, yeah. dicey people at the time. You never know. <laughs> South Ardmore, things can get rough. Um, so obviously with Piece of Pizza and Bellataya opening your eyes to the possibility mm-hmm. of the food world, later on, when did you start uh, dipping your toe into you know, more gourmet? Well, when I first moved out here, I was like still in that kind of collegiate, eating out of garbage type sure. vibe. Oh, he loved I remember somewhere. being like so impressed with Del Taco. I was like, there's a new fast food restaurant I don't even know about. I went to Del Taco all the time. Yeah. And, and I think sadly, in those first years of college, I didn't have a car. I wasn't exploring the wealth of LA. So I was like very much in the bubble. And I didn't, I don't think I had like really good like Mexican food until like almost toward the end or after college. Yeah, I mean, there wasn't, I know that I had asked you before if you had gone to Mexicali, which was above Piece of Pizza, but that was like the only time. No, I never really had any good Mexican food on the East Coast. And even here, like we would go to Del Taco, we went to this like place, Chano's, like downtown, it was like greasy pastrami fries, which, which I loved them, but like it wasn't like, Yeah. I remember like having a good taco from a truck for the first time and being like, Oh, <laughs> it's like the first time you have a fresh tortilla. Yeah, you're like, oh, yeah. this is. You go, you're like, it's never good. You go, oh, yeah. You know, yeah. there's a lot of food like that. Like uh, Connie and Ted's does uh, like a Louis crab Louis salad. Yeah, and you go like, oh, this was this good is, at some point. What, this is what it, it was just, supposed to be. Can, like step down, step down, step <laughs> yeah. down. And sometimes with Mexican food on the East Coast, especially in the late '90s, sure. it was such like a step down version, just like cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this taco's been stepped on four times over. Yeah. Well, it's crazy. Like, we were just talking about that on our show. Like, even now, like, when you go to New York and they'll be like, this is the taco truck, you're like, this is terrible. Yeah. Like, why can't they have good tacos? Well, because it's mostly, like, Puerto Ricans. It's a cultural wasteland out there. Take cultural that Puerto Ricans. Wasteland. Well, no, I'm, not, I'm saying that, like, it's not as giant as a Mexican community right, in exactly. New York. 
And so it, uh, you don't get his authentic stuff. You, yeah. you know, you try and groom people from Austin or LA come to New York, and I'd be like, oh, look, you get some Mexican food. Right. Yeah, 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 no, 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 no. No, it's cool. It's cool. Just give me a, a thin slice. <laughs> um, but I mean, I, I think because of where we came from, I still have that abiding love of just like great Italian food. And obviously oh, now yeah. in LA, we're in a great pizza moment. We're in a great Italian moment. Yeah. Which, you know, maybe five, six years ago wasn't the case. But now it's like there's... So much good Italian food, so much good pizza. Yeah. I feel lucky. I would say that you can get a, a good wood-fired pizza here. As far as slice joints, I don't know. Uh, we super fine. Super fine is great for slice. Yeah. Prime pizza is really good for slice. Yeah. I think Mulberry Street still is is pretty damn good. Vito's is not bad at all. Abbott's has been pretty, pretty I would, solid. Village is not bad whatsoever. Village is definitely And solid. Joe's is actually pretty, pretty fun. I would send yeah. someone to super fine because I like... That they're kind of doing, like Hail Mary, which I love, they're kind of yeah. doing something, like Prime is very much New York style, and I yeah. appreciate that, but like, super fine, they're kind of just like doing their own thing, and it's great, but they're not adhering to like a specific style, they're not like confined by like, oh, New York, or th- thin crust, whatever, it's like, they're just like, we're doing our style. Yeah, but it's just big by the slice, you know. Right, and it's, it's by the slice. Yeah. But that's great, because there is this postmodern sort of pizza movement going on in LA where they're not confined by anything because New York it's like I'm a New York slice point right. you gotta have a certain New York people expect cut. certain parameters yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, alright well we're gonna take a quick break and then we're gonna come back and talk about the podcast yelling about pate we have a song from the archives here on Snacky Tunes on heritageradionetwork.org Thank you. 
Hello and welcome back to Snacky Tunes. We are with Joel and Carl of Yelling About Pate. So let's talk about the podcast. Mm. Um, a baby. Yes. Your baby. baby. Our wayward pod child. <laughs> um, food podcasts have really popped up in LA in the last few years. Sure. Yeah. Uh, what gave you guys your idea to start yours? What did you see as a gap that wasn't really being, I don't know, filled with the other podcasts that were popping up? I think it originally just came from us liking to talk to each other yeah. and we would usually talk about food in some capacity or just bullshit and talk yeah. about Simpsons. Yeah. But like I was thinking about starting one because, you know, I'm a comedian. The kind of the joke is that's also a reality is that every comedian has a podcast. Yes. Literally every single one. But you flipped it because how many comedians are talking about food and right. not just having other comedians well there's like podcasts when they first started exploding it was like the joke was like oh every comedian is a podcast like and yeah. it was kind of true but then they're kind of started to be shit where comedians would take stuff that they love like oh it's like a sports podcast but it's funny because it's three comics talking about it. and like right. there's lots of different kinds of stuff like that but I realized that no one was really doing it with food mm -hmm. so I was like thinking about starting one on my own or you know talking to some comedian friends who like food it didn't really come together and then one day I was just talking with Joel and we were just bullshitting and I was like, I'm thinking about starting a food podcast. Like, and you were, like, you were like, what's a podcast? Me, what and I was like, yeah, because I, I didn't really Sell listen me. to podcasts. Sell me. Sell me, man. I, that's the I, thing. I never 30 really, seconds. Yeah, I never you listened. You were actually in an elevator. Yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> Give me the pitch. Yeah. But then, yeah, and then he was like, what would it be? And I was like, I actually, I don't know. It would probably just end up me drunk yelling about pate. And then I was like, you should do it with me. And he was like, okay. I was like, sure, let's fucking do it. And, you know, we kept it pretty loose from day one. <laughs> yeah, pretty loose. Most people don't know that yelling about pate is a Simpsons reference. It, it, is it? No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, did I subconsciously <laughs> do a Simpsons it's reference? Be, yeah, it's, it, it is now. It will be now. It will they'll, be now. They will form an episode around this podcast. Yeah. Well, it is, uh, I do have, you know, I really do like charcuterie, cured meats, meat platters. Um, we don't actually really talk about that a lot, but it, it's no. like... But when we do, you can, you can hear the glow. Right, exactly. Yeah. It's, something I, it's something I'm passionate about, for Voice sure. Voice gets a little softer. Yeah. Right. You, can, you can hear the eyes reminiscing <laughs> and glazing over. Right, exactly. Uh, we, and, and Joel, as a chef, you bring your culinary experience, but also yeah. a different point of view to it, because you're, you're in it. Yeah, and I've definitely been in the shit for a long time, and like part of the... Part of like what I've loved about about the culinary world is that you can very much be yourself and you can shoot the shit and joke around a lot. And I love I love monkey play. I think it's great. Right. That fun. was kind of the premise of like like beyond the initial like oh we're friends and we want to talk bullshit. Like there is a lot of overlap between the, like the kitchen comedy culture and stand up comedy culture because in both. Like you world. gotta deal with sabotage. You gotta and deal with like, like people like going up before you and like, right. like why is that guy going up? Yeah, yeah, right. Like, there's I, a lot of bitterness in that part of the line. You know, like, there's yeah. a lot of bitterness. There's a lot of broken people. There's a lot of alcoholism. No, but it's it's really more about how like with your friends, the way you show love is by kind of lovingly tearing them down. Yeah, like in the stand up world and in the kitchen world. Like the kitchen world, the currency is like making fun of each other, but in a loving way. Kind of like tearing each other down, but doing it in a funny way. But ultimately, the goal in both is to make the people you're working alongside of better yeah. at what or, they do, or laugh, or yeah. laugh. laugh. You get through. You get through the day. I mean, right. to get through like, the day, to get to get through a, a 15 hour shift with the same people that you see, 
more than your own family, you know, it can definitely right. take its toll. So what, what better way to be able to get through right. than to keep you gotta it have as light bits. as possible? If you don't got bits, yeah, you what do you got? Bits. That's the best part. It's like, you have bits and like, you don't even know it. <laughs> you don't you're even just know. like, this is normal to me. I mean, if you don't have inside jokes with the people you work with, yeah. it's, what's, it's very, what's very yeah. dry place. Me, yeah. me, and my, me and my business partner right now, we're really into just calling each other hacks. Like, like every time we do something, yeah. it's like, you are such a fucking hack. Love it. You know, and love it. Yeah. And, and Dan, it's also yeah. like good even, day. And it's been you like a deep, you can cut it even harder because like you'll say it like, you know, with a French infliction. Like, hey, what are you a heck, huh? Yeah. Like, you want to go make a shoes? Yeah. You know? But even beyond that repartee, I think there's something to be said about like, they're both kind of like renegade professions in their own way. Sure. Like you're at work when everyone else is enjoying themselves, whether you're on stage or in the kitchen, yeah. you're providing pleasure and hospitality for other people, but you're at work and everyone else is relaxing. So it's kind of that like, other world than the nine to five. Yeah, but in many ways, both comedy and food in the last five to ten years have become more normalized sure. because yeah. of podcasts and shift in media culture mm -hmm. yeah. as being something where it's like, I'm a comedian or I work in food. People go, cool. Right. Not, uh. Yes, there was a weird shift in both professions where it was like, comedy's the new punk rock. Com comedians yeah. the new rock star. Chefs the new punk. Chefs the new, it's like, no. Not everyone's a new rock stars. It's yeah. just like people are discovering that it's actually like, oh, like food can be cool. Yeah, food can, be, can cool. be cool again. Yeah, that that's gonna be really. Funny. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. When but. Uh, that uh, rock star analogy goes away, it's like, yeah, I work in food. They're like, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Tight. Tight. Anyway, uh, where's where's my pizza? <laughs> so, as you guys build more shows and have more guests, and you get through those first like initial shows, what are the stories that you're hoping to share? What sort of curation are you trying to do on the podcast? Well, I think we started out with the idea of as long as we have interesting, engaging, and possibly funny people talking about shit they're passionate about, it'll be interesting, engaging, and possibly funny to listen to. Yeah. And it's like, it doesn't even necessarily have to be, like, we'll go on fucking tangents. Yeah. Like, it, I mean, food, we come back to it because we both love it and it's, you know, it's a baseline, but like... As long as we have like fun people that we like talking to, talking about shit that they're into, then we're like, we're good. You know, let's yeah. not overthink it too much. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I mean, it, it's the best part is when, the best part about this is that there's no like script. There's not like, okay, we've done research and like, we'll do base research. Like, what's your name? And where are you from? I don't yeah. need any more homework. Yeah. I don't, but I we don't need like, stuff. we don't need like, you know, flashcards. Like we're James Lipton and we're just like asking questions about like a right. dish or this or that. It's just like, Hey, like tell us about your life. Tell us a funny story. You know, let's have it flow organically. And I think people resonate with that. Because we love it's more flow. just like a conversation rather than an interview. But as, yeah. as we progress forward, like obviously our initial round of guests were a lot of our friends, sure. chefs Joel knew, comedians I knew. And you know, now as we're getting a little bigger, it's like maybe, uh, you know, we get some bigger names that we don't know and you know, going forward, it's like. Yeah, I know you start to reach out and you go, okay, I've gone through the friends, I've gone through the acquaintances. Sure. Now that we have a little bit of a following, who who do we want? Right. Yeah. Versus who do we have to have because we got to sure. show up. Sure. Um, in addition to your podcast, your Graham game, very strong, mm. very positive. Mm. Uh, We're trying to keep it positive. Yeah. yeah. Positive vibes. Um, there isn't uh, that sense of, you know, deadpan irony or bragging on it. What gave you the idea to make it this positive, inspirational? Well, I would say that it just stems from like, we both like really like and are excited about food. Yeah. And it's like, Instagram should be a place to like, celebrate 
uh, great and delicious things. You know, it's like the reason I enjoy Instagram so much, especially in the food world, is because you're just scrolling, you're seeing great shit, you're seeing yeah. what your friends are doing. It's like Instagram should be a fucking positive place. Yeah. You want fucking soul-sucking, horrible bullshit? That's what Twitter's for, okay? <laughs> Twitter is a hellscape. I still That's where the negativity lives. I, uh, I have no idea. Twitter. That's, you guys are smart. I've never been you on You guys are fucking as, smart. As a comedian, do you have to be on yes, Twitter? Yes, you do. And it, you I have spend, to do that soul-suckingness exactly. to other people. You gotta temper the, the positivity of the gram with the negativity of Twitter. Man, I, I'm like a gram-only guy. Yeah. See, that's how you should be. And if I wasn't a comedian, I, I probably wouldn't be on Twitter either. But. Um, you guys just launched a hotline. We did. Carl launched a hotline. We did. Uh, well, <laughs> this is what I was realizing, and this actually dovetails with Twitter. The internet has kind of become, and especially Twitter, has kind of become this like hot take machine. Yeah. So, and especially in the world of food, it's like it's all about getting attention and likes and retweets by coming up with some hot take that yeah. people are going to talk about. And it's almost become like kind of a it is, parody of itself. It is quite comical. So we thought it's pretty sense. funny that, you know, everyone has their food hot take, and especially on Twitter. So I thought it would be funny if we just had a hot take hotline because everyone thinks that they have some great opinion they, that they yeah. think is the best. So it's like you just call in and you fucking tell us and then we'll tell you if your hot take is garbage or not. Yeah. Uh, any good hot takes? Any, first off, any callers yet? We have some callers. We yeah. just launched it because this is something we've been What's talking about. Uh, I'll pull it up right now. I got a few right here. 323-375-4084. I want it to be like, 323-FOOD-FOR-YOU or, yeah. or like, TAKES-FOR-YOU. Food cues. Call 1-800-HOT-TAKE. Uh, no, it's just a Google Voice message. Um, but I figured, you know, we live in this kind of, uh, you know, this take this hot take culture now. Yeah. It's like, why not Why not uh, let the people know if it, they're garbage or not? So Someone's got to do it. Yeah. Why you not? got all these takes out here floating around. Someone's got to let the people know if they suck or not. And it's going to be us. It's going to be you. Um, so now that you've been doing the podcast, I have a couple of quick fire questions for you because you got a bank of information. You've had enough people on. First up, is calling LA the new epicenter for food and food pasta? Cast in America, the most over-asked question right now. Yes. Yes, but yes. I think it's because everyone is excited yeah. that LA is finally getting its due, food media-wise and uh, and just like restaurant food and reputation-wise. Like five years ago, it was like, we all knew LA was great, but people outside might not Fair. view it as that. Yeah. But now it's everyone like, knows. LA is like, everyone knows. Everyone LA is everyone's, co everyone's coming here. So maybe it's overused. <laughs> trying to come. Get out of my town. Yeah. Maybe it's overused, but deservedly so. Okay. Okay. Favorite LA food trend? I mean, I'm loving that we're in like a really hot pizza moment right now. I mean, now. The, the pizza yeah, moment the pizza is great. Is great pizza good. available to me. Is that a trend? Because I like that trend. Have you been to Pizana? I have not. I have no, not. Heard good things. Yeah, so good. Don't make it over to the wood a lot. No. Next time I'm there, though. Uh, Holly or Brent. Holly or right, Brent. Right, Either wood. Either of the wood. Worst LA food trend. Uh, anything like unicorn or glitter. Anything that's or, just for the gram for the without gram, substance. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's national, though. That's national. That's that's maybe, a, maybe all the bad poke places. I feel like a lot of them close, though. I feel like that's done. I feel like yeah. poke that died early last year. I love poke, but bad poke was you're 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 giving poke a bad name. Yeah, I, they really tried and it even made its way to New York. Yeah, I, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I guess that's not just LA, but uh, let's see. Secret thought about food you've never shared with anyone. 
I share all of mine with everyone all the time. Everyone yeah, we, we pretty much overshare. <laughs> I don't know if I'm holding anything back. Yeah, I've never held anything it's back. It's the problem with the pod. Uh, no names needed, but any hot goss from the LA food scene? Any any hot goss? Mm. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I could even like say. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I think all our hot goss is uh, might be top secret. Yeah, it's like off air. Uh, yeah, it's off air shit. Okay, it's all, it's all off. We'll air turn the corner off. And then finally, will the LA Times ever put out a negative review? No. I, I don't... I think there's enough good places... Not even a pause! I think there's enough good places that if they're not going to a place that they know is going to be good... I mean, I don't know. What, 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 I'm just, what, what, is, go. what is a negative review, though? Like, where they Pete say... Well, I mean, Pete Wells puts out goose no, eggs. No, right. A go, yeah. No, in a goose egg stand, standpoint? No, absolutely not. They'll always Maybe be, in, like, five years. They're, they're right like, now, no. LA Times is, like, the parent that, like, it's, like, as much as they, like, give you shit, like, they have to build you up as well, you know? Like, so it's, like, yeah, this wasn't good, this wasn't good, but, man, did they seat well? Or, like, yeah. oh, the lighting in here. It was, it was like seeing a friend's play. Yeah. You know, that's basically yeah, all Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, like, uh, love Johnny. the music. Oh, yeah. Johnny, dude. The, pro, the, the card stock the, on these the programs scenery, was pretty impressive. Scenery was that great. popcorn at intermission was. <laughs> oh, man, oh man, that intermission was about five minutes. It was perfect. It was a perfect amount of time. It was perfect. Wow. Uh, well, Joel and Carl, thank you so much. If people want to listen to the podcast or go to the gram, where can they go? Uh, we're at at yeah, pod. That's Y A P P O D. Um, you can follow me at Carl Hess. That's K A R L H E S S. You can follow Joel at Joel David Miller. That's Joel right. also has the Wallace, his restaurant, and East Stretto, his new natural wine focused sandwich shop downtown. Oh, yeah. DTLA, uh, hot spot. It's hot. Um, you can call us on the number that you provided 323-375-4084. That's and if the not, hot. just remember the Mike Jones phone number. They're pretty much yeah, the same thing. thing. That's the hot take hotline. You can also email us yap42069 at gmail.com. It's the best when I uh, <laughs> reached out to email you guys. I went strong email. Strong email. Strong email. Uh, well, listen, we have another song from the archives and then a live performance here on Snacky Tunes on heritageradionetwork.org.
Today's program was brought to you by Emmy Cheese, specialty cheese from Switzerland made with heart and passion. Since the early 1900s, Emmy has been a passionate supporter of farmers, cheesemakers, and family tradition. They believe in sustainable agriculture and respect for the people, land, and animals that make their business possible. Remaining dedicated to tradition, they strive to lead the industry in innovation, ensuring they bring you only the highest quality, best-tasting cheese from Switzerland. Emmy is best known for importing more than 80% of Swiss Gruyere into the United States, but that's not to overshadow their other specialty cheeses, including Kottbalk Cave-Age cheeses, Appenzeller, Tete de Mon, and traditional Emmentaler. For more information, visit emmyusa.com. Are you enjoying this podcast? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. My name is Dave Arnold, and I'm the host of Cooking Issues here on Heritage Radio Network. Every week, I answer listeners' questions on the latest innovative techniques, equipment, and ingredients in the food world. Have a question about hot-rodding your oven to make great pizza? Give us a call. Hydrocolloid, sous vide, liquid nitrogen? No problem. You can find Cooking Issues wherever you listen to podcasts and on heritageradionetwork.org. Hello, and welcome to Snacky Tunes. I am one of your hosts, Darren Bresnitz. We are here at... Our home away from home, Dangerbird Record Studios in lovely Silver Lake, and we are here with Criminal Hygiene. Welcome to the show. Hello, please. Hello. Hello. So, Buongiorno. For those who are unfamiliar with Purgatory Pizza and its importance in the local music scene, can you let us know what is the deal with that place? Yeah, it's the best place. They gave us jobs, allowing us to pay rent and play music. And keep us fed. Wearing their hat right now. You can't see me through the radio. They funded making our record. Yeah. Yeah. What's a go-to slice? When you eat it every day, I have to mix it up. Yeah. 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 If I had to choose one, maybe maybe barbecue chicken with pineapple. All right. I'm just going to stop you right there because I also worked in a pizza place in high school. And barbecue chicken was my slice of choice. So yeah. I, I doff my cap to you, sir. Well, oh, thank you. It's fantastic. It's a solid Hell of a slice. It's got Especially that with that homemade barbecue Purgatory has going now. Ooh. I like the Sweet Baby Ray's, but Purgatory's homemade blend is... Bottle it. Sweet. Hey, if I could bottle hot. it and sell it, which they do, <laughs> yeah. I would. So for those who... You guys are LA-based in there. What's, the, uh, what's your current take on the LA scene? It seems cohesive now. A lot of more places to play. And uh, a lot of people who are just bands that are running together. And what do you guys like about it? Where do you guys see yourselves? I think it's fair to say we're a little bit of outsiders, maybe, to that. I don't know. We always do better outside of L.A. <laughs> yeah? Yeah, L.A. I don't know. <clears throat> go? Go I'm, deep? I'm not going to talk shit, but we, uh, I don't know. We always do better on the road. That could be like a mental thing. I think we don't play Psych well here. Yeah. <laughs> Um, how did you guys all meet when you guys get together as a band? Ooh. Uh, well, um, I moved up to Santa Cruz, like, 2010, something like that, and I was in a different band, uh, just me and another dude, and we looked on Craigslist for a drummer. Sean was the first and only person to respond. Just happened to be on Craigslist? Yeah, so we started practicing in his garage, or his living room, rather, um... And uh, after a year and a half or so of uh, playing up there, we decided to move down. It took some convincing to get him 
him uh, to move down to LA. Down the 101. He's a, he's a stubborn man. <laughs> but um, <laughs> after a few drinks, it wasn't too hard. Alone in his principles. principles. Yeah. When I was down here. So then, yeah. so then we we uh, we moved down here, and then we played for like another year, and then we disbanded. So the other guy moved to New Orleans, and then Great. Fiore here moved into our house, and I started playing with him. And James, the old bass player. Then James quit, and Michael started playing bass. But now, Michael, you got a guitar in your hand. <laughs> now, Kim yeah, I was. Yeah, then I, came in. We were, I was uh, we were, getting sick of the bass. Yeah, yeah. My, there was my, a lack of sex appeal in the band, and we <laughs> needed Cam. Yeah. He needed less, and he threw me in. No, I, uh, my my band broke up, and I just it just ended up working. I was a huge fan of theirs for a long time. We used to play with them, and then um, I think I was drunk. I came up to you, and it was like the last show my band played, or something. Was like, if you guys ever need anybody else that can do something that you need something to do, I could probably do it. I think I called a fee a couple times and baked him, and then he let me in. So that was kind of what it was. I mean, that's a good... I need more like, funny hats. Yeah, I need more funny hats. I feel like that, that is a uh, a good pitch for any any project. Of just saying, if you need something, I got something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, that's pretty much what it was. Yeah. So I know that you guys see yourselves as outsiders uh, or a little bit... Uh, at a different I, sink. I only meant that just because we took so much time away to like write and like kind of fell off the map for a little bit. I mean, how quickly does the LA scene change over? Very quickly. definitely yeah. quickly like dissolved of all that burger bullshit. Am I allowed to say that? Yeah, you can say it. Yeah, yeah it's I, trash. I don't like burger records. Trash. Ooh. From when we started to now, it, it is a lot different. <laughs> also, I feel like now, especially me, we have jobs. We got to wake up early. So we don't really go out to shows very much. So we're a little out of touch with the music scene. Hey, man, it happens. Yes, there, it, it goes sucks. from seven shows a week to five. Whenever we play. Yeah. Then whenever you play, you're like, ooh, I'm really into the opening band. Whenever really. Danger Bird says, come to this show, there's free drinks, then I'll go. Ooh, that's always a good show. <laughs> uh, and you guys played uh, just this weekend with Bob Mould, yeah, who I love, awesome. whose new <laughs> single, Shreds. Yeah, yeah, that whole album's great. Awesome. He put some happiness back in his music. Sunshine so, rock. Sunshine yeah. rock. Yeah. Um, but what is it like when you play with? I mean, I you know I feel we all probably grew up listening to him and to the Do, yeah. if you will. Definitely college was like a big Husker Do time for me. And what's it like when you step on stage to open up for someone like that? Definitely a little nerve wracking for a second, just because you like watch him sound check and you're like, oh wow. Yeah. He knew what the fuck. He knew, yeah, he knew what the fuck he was doing too. Was, he was calling out frequencies to change, and like it was like, this guy's the real deal. Yeah, I need more seven in my yeah. monitor. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, I feel like if you did, you really even play a show if you didn't ask for more seven in your monitor. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, well, speaking of that, why don't we get some stuff going through this monitor? What do you want to play first? We're, yeah, we're gonna do uh, Song track about another nine. Minneapolis man. Yeah, it's a uh, track about one of my old roommates, kind of. It's a little fabricated story. Uh, Creative license. About a Minneapolis uh, alcoholic who liked to fight people. There you go. I don't know any other kind. All right. Here we go. Criminal Hygiene, Dangerbird Record Studios, Snacky Tunes. Here we go.
around the edges but fuck it all right all right um so you guys have a new album in the pipeline um what's the story behind it run it again run it again again. coming out in danger it's a catchphrase that bird made up at a bar yeah we uh we had put out a seven inch single about three years ago and they had they asked us to do like a like a party for it, you know. Mm-hmm. Like a you know record. They were like, spin records for an hour, play your single. We're at the bar, blah blah blah. So it's kind of at this uh, uh, kind of a ritzy wine and beer place. Pretty much the wrong place. Yeah, that it should be at. And uh, it, it, you know they were playing records. They said it was too loud. The volume. They were were only giving us two free drinks. They said it wasn't a yelling kind of place. Did they listen to the record first? Probably. Uh, no, probably but not. it was a wrong thing to say to us in general. It was <laughs> Yeah, it was that that sounds like a challenge. Yeah, they yeah. were they were tempting us. There, yeah. Sure. yeah. Yeah, they were poking us. I so. think Bird took that one to heart mostly, but yeah. I don't like people so, yelling at me while telling me what to do about yelling. Mm. Uh, especially that's, you a, know. that's like a three strike one sentence. That's right. 
I think, you know, even before we got to the two-drink minimum, we had already been pretty lubed up. <laughs> pretty, <laughs> pretty lubed up. We were, we, were, we were pretty loose already, anyway. Me and Mike were on the uh, turntables, which we were abusing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Very probably ruined so. their needle. We kept... <laughs> So we were playing Fleetwood Mac Dreams just over and over, lifting the needle. So right, right before it would end, we'd get ready to just pick it up and put it right at the bit. So we just kept song. playing Dreams over and over until Bird was at the end of the bar. He was just screaming, run it again! And then we'd pick up the needle and play it again until, until the bar kicked us up. There's a certain vibe that happens when you're in public playing the same song over and over again. As it slowly dawns on the people there of what's happening. I mean, it was apparent. It was abrasive. Like the <laughs> needle, you know, like that sound when the needle goes like. Rah! Yeah. <laughs> it was like we were aware of what we were doing, but so we had a purpose in mind. In so we were laughing and he was screaming, run it again every time that we'd lift it up and run it again, literally. <clears throat> until, and until they kicked us out. Um, and is that story the inspiration for the album of the ethos of it or just the title? I mean, it's, it's everything. It encapsulates the last five years of, you know, a lot of people will tell you what and not and what to do, and you could either run it again or not. Yeah. I mean, I always like people who run it again. Yeah. <laughs> um, so as you have the new album coming together, what went into it? What, what, uh, what did you want to say with this record? What did you want it to stand for? Good songwriting. Uh just good songs like we don't need any frills i think uh the producer alex newport knew exactly what we wanted which was again like it's pretty much like a no frills like he did a great job but there's you know we didn't need to add too much to the songs we just had to play them get the right tones and it's kind of it just a just a statement rock record solid record i mean not a lot of people just want to put out a statement rock record these days which i love that you guys are doing because some people today are just putting out one song, two song, things like that. But you guys really put a lot of thought into this as an album. Yeah. Um, what was the idea behind really just working on a whole album instead of dripping out two, three songs at a time? We had such a large batch of, of demos that uh, we kind of took a long time winding it down to the ones we thought fit well together. And even after we had the 10 that we knew we were going to be on the record, we rearranged the order a bunch of different times and just tried to make it flow the way we wanted to hear it. We wanted to make the record we'd want to listen to, pretty much, and hoping that others like us would, you know. Yeah, I feel today that so many people just make a record what they think that people want to hear, but not... It's what we wanted to hear. I but think. it's what you want to hear, which is a different type, a different type of, of vibe. Right, and I think that, I mean, that's why it took so long to come out, because we stuck with that idea and, like, didn't really give in to just putting out a single after single whatever it may be we waited for the right opportunity to do it so I feel like there's a swing back to that I feel like people are tired of a single or two songs that people actually really want albums and they want bands who want to put out albums I mean it's hard to just you know it's hard to put on tons of different singles and have one thing be memorable because you're just like it's too many like it's disposable in some but ways what I always memorize you know about an album I was like you know I think about runs on an album I'm like you know that three song run oh, yeah. on side two you're like that's like you know we'll have arguments like top five three songs in a row ever like you know mm. what are they And then like, what's your you favorite know? three songs in a row Ooh. Yeah, well, I, 
That's hard to say offhand. <laughs> <laughs> I change it all the time. I mean, I, right now I could tell you uh, probably uh, Randy Newman, Born Again, first track one to three. Yeah. Just strong luck. It's, it's money that I love. Uh, story of a rock and roll band and Pretty Boy. It's. I love that. I love that when you hit track six of an album. We're getting thumbs up from the studio. And Beard. We got Randy Newman fan in the, in the audience. But here. I love that when you hit that track when it's six and you just know that you, you're like, oh, these next three or four songs are going to be so sweet and it's what I've been looking for. You know, you've already waded your way in and now time to, to burn it up. Yeah. Um, let's burn up another tune. What do we got? Postcard? Jim! 
Awesome. So, you guys are about to head out on the road, heading down to South by and heading out for a long tour across America. Uh, what do you guys do to prepare? Do you guys have rituals before you head out? Like one last meal, one last one last round at a bar before you hit the road? A lot of yoga, yeah. meditation. <laughs> uh, no, usually we uh, scramble looking for cash and it magically appears two days before. <laughs> That's the tour ritual. <laughs> Try to work as much as possible. And, uh, still not have ourselves. enough. Yeah, still not have enough money, and then like something <laughs> happens like two days before we get, and then it works, and then it works. What's a grind on the road like for you guys? Is it, is it a grind or is it enjoyable? It's both. Yeah. A lot of McDonald's. A lot of McDonald's. Yeah, but we're gonna be in the south, so we're gonna have a lot of cookout, yeah, a lot of uh, White Castle, a lot Waffle of House, Burger, Waffle House, Waffle House, we'll a lot still of barbecue. Go to McDonald's, oh, barbecue. Yeah. <laughs> we'll still end up in McDonald's. Taco oh, what? We're going to eat so we much barbecue. I don't know Taco Pulling Taco Tom. Awesome. Taco Tom's good, too. Yeah. Uh, heading down to Austin, do you have your spot? Two taco spots down there? No. Not really. All it's right. always went, a blur whenever we're there, so we went I don't to a really good, we really good. I like Carrie's down there. We went to a really good taco place in uh, San Antonio. Once. Yeah, they got some good Tex-Mex down there. Yeah. Um, so, as you head out on the road... With the new album, what are you hoping to share with the fans? Like, what are you hoping to take out with some songs? Because some of these songs have never been heard. Some people may not be familiar with it. How do you get that vibe of who you are across, but also get across the new album? We just play. I don't know, the same as we always do. Everywhere we go, you know, I think to go back to earlier what I said about L.A., I think it's just because we've been around so long here that it's kind of like, you know, whatever we do isn't that as fresh here anymore. But when you go, you know, when you go to Austin and you haven't been there in two years to play a show or something, it's fresh t- to people there. Yeah. So th- th- there's a little better energy when you're outside of your hometown, I think. Like people are excited and you're excited just yeah, to be yeah. back into a new yeah, scene. Yeah, it's like a, mm-hmm. there's this like, we don't know what's going to happen on both ends. Like the crowd doesn't know what you're going to do and you don't know what they're going to do. So it's a little bit more exciting. We're here, we know. Yeah, I mean, another, it's like also knowing that like, the show isn't going to be mostly your friends there, even though it's nice, you know, but it's going to be fresh faces, fresh ears, so. I never thought about that, about, about bands, while they enjoy having their friends come out to see them, it's nice to see people who are not their friends <laughs> enjoying themselves. I've never thought about the flip. Because our, fa- our, our friends don't buy tickets or buy any merch. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're, like, they're pieces of shit. Hey, can I get on the list and a shirt? Yeah. Pretty please. <laughs> oh, you got you got beers in the green room? I'll take those too. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, who hasn't pilfered a beer or two from their friend's show? I mean, I, mean, I do it all the time. I do. Yeah, but we don't ask. No. <laughs> yeah, I just used to remember the I code, just take. key code for green rooms. Uh, like, yeah. <laughs> go in. And yeah, I used to at the Echo. Yeah, I those think it was never... 1968 for a yeah, while. For, if anyone's yeah. listening, the green room for the Echo is 1968. Those never change, and that was always nice when you could like walk back in and be like. I'll have a little Jameson, <laughs> have a little Paps. Uh, any cities that you're looking forward to? Any place where you want to dig into the food and the people that are there? We haven't. We're going on the East Coast mostly. We haven't toured the East Coast yet. We've we've done New York and Toronto, which we're going to do. But a lot of the East Coast cities, I'm excited to go to. But Nashville is always fun. Chicago. Mm-hmm. 
Love Chicago. Bring a jacket, boys. It <laughs> yeah. is cold out there right yeah. now. Orlando. Yeah, definitely hit up uh, Disney World, Disney World a little bit. I heard they have good McDonald's out there. Actually, so if you guys have some time there, let me know. I'll see if I, my, my aunt can get you guys in. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I want to make sure that we have enough time for one more song, but if people want to check out the tour, check out where to get the album, where can they go? Criminal-hygiene.com. We, we have an official website. Well, it would have been criminalhygiene.com, but someone bought the domain and wants $4,000 for it. <laughs> so if you're listening, what? fuck Good you. Move. Good move, so but... Now it's criminal-hygiene.com. I mean, who looked at you guys and what I can get four grand out of them? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Alex Newport did. Yeah, but that's... Almost <laughs> did it. <laughs> Almost did it. There we go. All right, well, I want to thank you guys. What's the last song you're going to play? Turpentine. Sweet. Thank you to Dangerbird Records. Thank you to Heritage. Thank you to everyone. I'm Darren. This is Snacky Tunes. We'll see you next week. Criminal Hygiene, take us out.
Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.